We're recording the 25th day of September. Putts was changing their minds of pretenders while chasing the pars away. A little take on the lyrics of a amazing jam by Earth, Wind & Fire to get us going on the podcast. I'm Tom, and I go by Mr. T at times. I'm a bit under the weather, and you're probably already hearing it, but I'm trying to push through to recap the busy last few weeks of mini golf. Find all the mini golf designs, reviews, and more for myself and the pink putter at a couple and on social media at couple putts. If you're looking for course and whole design work, head on over to minigolfdesigners.com and you can pick up some fun merch, including our I'd rather be mini golfing uh, t shirts over at minigolfgoods.com. And I'm Pat, the co founder of the mini golf website and social media conglomerate, The Putting Penguin. Between school, work, major mini golf tournaments, and spooky season arriving, September might be the busiest month of the year in the Penguin household. But it's all good because, well, winter is coming. Anyway, you can find all of our Penguin mini golf antics by looking for Putting Penguin on most of the social media outlets. And while you're out there scrolling, don't forget to follow the Puttcast mini accounts. And finally, since you're clearly in love with our podcast, make sure you're liking, subscribing, and giving us a great review wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. And you probably know this, but just in case, this is the official podcast of the American Mini Golf Alliance, the AMA. We both helped found this organization that is wrapping up its second season of mini golf, both on the real links and on the virtual links that we'll be talking about later. There's more than enough time to become a member for free if you go to amaminigolf.com and click on become a member. If you become a member through November, you can claim those points that rhymed there so member through november that that just works so if you played in tournaments earlier in the year and you're like oh i wasn't a member that's fine you can get those points and same with renewing as well i'll send out a membership card if you're a new member and as well we'd like to make sure to shout out our 2023 member sponsorship walk about mini golf our membership was free all year because of the fine folks at walkabout they also provided a lot of fun goodies that we gave away at some of our major tournaments this year. And maybe we'll have a few more of those things to give away throughout the year. But my head is just out of control, like some serious sinus pain. So, uh, Pat, why don't you uh, jump us right into the recent news and event recaps? And as usual, we'll go from our AMA plug to, of course, the AMA tournaments. Right into the AMA events, which our last episode we talked about. We have a whole lot in September. And the first one we kicked off the month with was the Lee Stoddard Dolphin Open. This one was up in Booth Bay, Maine, September 9th and 10th. It was the 30th running of that event. And just a quick recap on that. Remember, it's 10 rounds over those two days. Um, This field was 19 total players. So that was up from prior year. And that's where we've kind of seen it come every couple of years or so we get usually between 15 and 20 but the big person missing this time around was justin seymour from connecticut who we talk a lot about on the pod but he is the was the four-time defending champ up in dolphin so he vacated that to rest for the next tournament that we're going to talk about what actually worked out pretty well for him smart uh professional sporting move right there resting for the playoffs i guess and uh, opened the door for some other folks here. So Elmer Lawson, who's a previous winner, he won in 2012. Um, so mm-hmm. about 13 or yeah, 11 years ago. Doesn't seem like that long ago. He came back after a four-year hiatus and just absolutely smoked the field, averaging a 35. And this was on uh, recarpeted turf, so he hadn't seen that. Well, none of us had seen it as well. So maybe it worked for his advantage there, but he had pulled away. I think he was eight strokes ahead after the first six rounds and just never looked back. So it was a one horse race as we got through the end of the tournament. But um, the second, third and fourth place was really tight. And I know because I was in the middle of that battle and ended up getting leapfrogged by Kyle Corsi, who is, well, previously from Massachusetts, currently from Maine, and is just absolutely doing a great job in the AMA this season. And he finished with a 
incredible back-to-back 34 and 33 to move up from, I think it was fifth place and jumped all the way up to second place and kicked me down to the, the bronze medal. But I stayed on the podium, which I was pretty happy about. That's like my five or sixth podium up there. So I do nice. enjoy that tournament. Um, it was a red tournament, so not a ton of points on the table there. But it was great to see Elmer again after... Uh, his time off, great job winning there, um, and it was great for everybody else in the field who uh, earned some AMA points in that one. Elmer's from PA, yes? Pennsylvania, yep. Yeah, I know that he uh, plays the putt-putt course up at Clifton Heights along with a few other of the pro putters in the Northeast. So it's cool to see some new names pop up, but I know that he's done very well in the Northeast for quite a while. Yeah, longtime professional putter, played in Team USA way back in the day. So uh-huh. I was yeah, talking with him a little bit um, and just kind of coming back to the game after some stuff. So, yeah, good return for him. He got a nice win there, $500, good trucker hat, and uh, <laughs> you know, a nice weekend. We had some pretty good weather in Maine. So we followed that up with the you know, jewel of the Connecticut season, which was the Matterhorn International Pro-Am. It was our seventh year. We talked about it being the only American stop on the 12 tournament uh, World Mini Golf Sport Federation World Adventure Golf Tour. Um, and that was a tournament both Tom and I were at, although only one of us played in. Uh, and even with the absence of me not in the lineup and Mandy not in the lineup, we still had our biggest field of professionals yet in the seven mm-hmm. years. So we had 29 pros all together. We had 18 amateurs play. And, and that total is, a, I think, our highest 47, but we've been in that like 42 to 45 range between the two divisions almost every year. Uh, but it was great to see the pros again. I think that's up a couple from where we were last year. That tournament was held on September 16th. So it was one day. It was three rounds and that course we talked about in the mm. preview to it it's very hard to gain separation and there was a lot of close um rounds there i mean there were some folks who ended up tying who basically had actually i was looking at bill mezier and griffin weiss who tied for sixth place and they had the exact same three rounds in a row <laughs> 40 39 42 so um you know we talked about that and it, it ended up in we had a playoff for fourth place we had a playoff for eighth place which was mm-hmm. the last playing place but most importantly we had the playoff for first place and it was between Dave Veda and the before mentioned Justin Seymour, who's won the tournament twice before. And they were tied after two rounds. And it was really back and forth through that final round. And the, the story of the tournament was just there wasn't a lot of aces for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I mean, that course is not ace heavy to begin with, but yeah, our, our high number of aces for the tournament was four, which is down from six the previous two years over the three rounds. There was only one ace in the final foursome in that final round as well, which was pretty wow interesting. So, it, yeah, it was a lot of just like who was going to make the first mistake on the threes. And it went mm-hmm. all the way down to the 18th hole where Justin actually took an uncharacteristic four and Dave made a ah, had to have been at least an eight foot putt, maybe even longer to sink mm-hmm. that three. They went to the playoff, and the ace did come into the play on the fifth hole, which is one of the most aceable holes. Dave sunk it, and he is now our sixth winner in the seven years that we've had the tournament. So a lot of parity in this particular tournament, and he is presumably, from everything he's talking about, going to the Czech Republic in April. So congratulations, Dave. And I had the honor of playing with him that first round when he shot the course record. I had played with Dave at Odita two years ago, maybe, or was it? Or was it even just last year? It was It was last year. Time's in like a weird place. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I'd seen him play there and he he was good, but I know he was struggling that day in the group that I played with. And so I started getting nervous in my group about my play because I was like, boy, this guy is just, he's really picking him up and meanwhile i'm hitting the goat poop on hole two (laughs) and going ob uh taking aggressive lines and just not getting the right bounces and had a bad round but then i'm like wait a minute 
my bad round felt even worse because someone got the course. <laughs> yeah, record. I mean, he came out and shot the 36, which is the not the course record; it's the tournament record. The Sorry, course record the is actually 35. So, oh. um, the but the tournament record is 36, and he did have two aces in that round in the back nine as well. So, and, and Dave is he's been playing in our league all summer. He's mm-hmm. been around the course for a couple of years now, and is is actually taking a really big interest in competitive putting. I was just talking to him this week. He may be going down to. Uh, uh, um, North Beach in Atlantic City there to play nice. that tournament that O Street's doing. So I know he was really excited. I'm, I'm glad you got a chance to play with him. He seems to be Me a really too. nice guy. And um, yeah, there's just a lot of drama. We've uh, did a live stuff on the final round in the playoffs. Both of those were on the AMA Facebook. And by the end of the week, both of those will also be up on our AMA YouTube if you want to go back and rewatch some of the drama there as well. And we'll have some fourth and eighth place videos. I uploaded a bunch of videos for Pat, but I don't think the fourth and eighth place videos went. They're pretty big files for some reason. One of them did. I did see that. So I'm going to try to get those uploaded. I'll go through those. They they were fun to watch. I I half regretted not watching the first place playoff, but I could hear Dave (laughs) cheering from afar. And he had making that ace after Justin missed. It just had to be a amazing feeling for him so that's super great and i know that he took that three on the like speedboat waves hole that gave justin that little opening in the last round and so i i was gonna feel bad if that was what's gonna really cost it for him and then he had that really long putt which i did get a nice video of on 18 and Man, that thing just like fell in right at the end on the left side of that cup, I believe. And they were really, yeah, I mean, taking the three on hole 15, I mean, that is actually the most aceable hole on the course. So you take a three there and that's like a, that's a real kick to the, to the gut with only a few holes left. And I mean, the guys were just missing aces. I was looking at the video, I mean, hole 14, the entire foursome, I think missed an ace by maybe a combined six inches, they all ran it right up past the edge of the cup. Hole 15, there was a couple chances, mm. and then or hole 16. And then in the bank, a lot of them came pretty dang close to acing that as well. So th- yeah. there was a lot of tension, and to be able to come back and hit that putt at the end, um, you know, from an organizer's perspective, and, you know, we could talk a little bit about the participant perspective from your side in, in a second here, but, I mean, th- the weather held out, the hurricane was offshore, it was a little bit windy. Actually, there was one putt um, Dave had on the Tobler runs where he came down the middle and the wind actually blew the ball off of the little plateau. And oh, he wow. ended up missing that putt. So, like, he lost a stroke there through really no fault of his own. I mean, watching the video again, it was amazing how much the wind took that ball because it was just sitting up and unprotected as it yeah. rolled out. But otherwise, the weather was great. Yeah. It was a great field for us everybody seemed to be really excited into it the amateurs had a great traveling yeah i mean we had eight states represented obviously you coming from minnesota but we had jeremy and abinett from illinois you had justin pelletier who came up from north carolina and then you know a lot of the other northeastern states represented by our various different groups well you forgot the other minnesotan my wife uh robin schwartzman the pink putter who uh went out and played better than me and took home third in the amateur division, which, uh, that, that'll, that'll come back again. (laughs) Um, she, uh, she played really well on that course and it was nice to see that, uh, that really nice result for her. She really likes playing and prefers to play in the amateur division. She kind of plays about half as many tournaments as I, and half the time she's playing because I'm there. So, uh, it was nice to see her get some good results on really, really tricky course she really managed it much better than myself and yeah it's i practicing that course if you get some good results and not enough practice you get potentially a little bit like yeah i can take that really tight line for the ace on hole number two and between that and just some poorly paced like putts like on one on the last round I just left it too short and I didn't give myself a line at all you know you drop a few strokes on that and that's it like the 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 course really is about managing your deuces because the aces are super hard to come by of the entire field somehow Robin and I 
had half of the aces on the <laughs> dog hole. There was six of them, and Robin Robin shot a one-two-one, and it was funny because I was talking with Aaron Kaminsky of O Street, and he's like, "That's the hole that beat me up." And then I was like, "Oh, like the I did terrible on whatever the goat hole, and most people got all twos, and I played it four-three-two. So it's it, it it's really just about staying out of trouble. And it's interesting you talk about the dog hole. I pulled up, you know the the prior year stats too. And there was only five aces on that. And I feel like when we play league, people are acing that left and right all the time. And there actually was a lot of aces on the the castle hole, which was the most aced hole this time around, which is interesting. I mean, it's, it's a flat putt, but all your visuals are wrong yeah. on that in terms of the angles, but you know, and yeah, I try to get this across and in, in various different people to talk about, but like you mentioned, this is a course where there's very little reward for the risk. No, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's you know that's all we had here. I, the plan is to run it back again next year. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll confirm dates and everything with that. But everybody seemed really happy at the end of it. And if anybody's listening to this who played and it's got some feedback, as always, you can reach out to us with anything. I know I talked to a few folks at the end before they left and have gotten some messages here and there. So I really appreciate uh, a lot of, a lot of kind words for, for running that. And for me, it was just, this was the first time I had not played in the tournament. And so it was just a very strange feeling all the practice day, all during the, the tournament, not to actually be out there is relaxing in some respects. But at the end of the day, I was still equally as tired because running around and we still had, two questions or no it was one question on a shot i had never seen happen before and it happened to jeremy where he actually went in the pipe oh yeah of, of the horn and didn't just get like stop on the little grass area which can happen but was like wedged against the wall because there was this one little sharp outcrop that was keeping it from going down which is uh, of course ironic because i had said during the players meeting that I have never not seen the ball go down the pipe <laughs> in hole nine, just because it's at such a sharp angle. And, you know, there you go. So keeping us on our toes and, um, i just, you know, again, thank you to autumn for hosting us and everybody for showing up and making a great tournament. For me, the perspective of coming into this tournament and never having played it, I really learned a lot, even going back to running my own tournaments about how to do it right. And, just getting to see the other side of it, knowing what you put into it. And little things like having a Swiss like hockey jersey for low score, having all these other little extra goodies at play with the amateur division, the way that you sent groups out to start and then jumped into the amateur is really nice. Obviously, I got lucky and I benefited from the skins. I was going to say, we didn't even talk about the skins. We didn't even talk about it. If I like that. If you didn't have a good day, which I definitely didn't, it started with uh, water not working in my hotel room and finding that out way too early in the morning and having to move rooms because they didn't tell us the basement was flooded. So that was fun. Um, I, I already have enough issues with like day of anxiety slash like not sleeping well. So that was fun. Um, but I didn't play well. And I was just like, well, I still got a chance. There's going to be a drawing for skins. And... You know, I'd like to say I willed it to happen, but I just got lucky and I got the fourth spot. And what was really great about it more than anything else, I hadn't played with Bill, I hadn't played with Glenda, and I hadn't played with Nathan Fournier. And I got a chance to play with them, got to hang out with Randy Rice a little bit extra. Um, and it, it was just really fun, you know, like having Kyle from Maine and Justin from Maine there, who I've seen around in Putt 18 and played with in real life as well as people from the Northeast where you have the Weisses coming out and we had Jeremy coming up from Chicago. It was just like a really fun atmosphere. And then, yeah, then the skins round happened and I've never played a skins round. So I was just stoked to play a different thing. I'm just getting through my fourth year of competition. I've never actually played, I don't think I've actually played an in-person match play event yet. And so I was just stoked for skins and it ended up working out well where I won more money than everybody but the first three spots <laughs> because uh, you know I was just in on hole one I was in like a really enviable position a two was made and then Bill and I had a 
take a shot that I hadn't really practiced, but you could see the line and then it went and then had two other holes that I made. So like, that's where all the aces were. The aces showed up in the skins. They showed up in the skins. There were what four because Glenda got one on two to get that one. And so there's four aces, but I had three aces in a round, which I don't think anybody had. But yeah, the, just going back to the course, it's really interesting. It's funny to hear the stories from people on the mogul's hole that just took Joey's lunch and took Jeremy's lunch and just really beat them up. And they both played really well otherwise. But every local, like Randy Ailes, just like happened to me. He's like, mm-hmm. I've taken a five or six on it. And I just felt grateful that some holes didn't beat me up. But then there were others where like the falls, I ended up in the bad spot on the left side of the cup facing it and just didn't have a good look and didn't get it in. And then to see that, I think what was ace three times and Justin had two of Justin them. Justin had two, two of the three rounds in his third round, the final round, he left it maybe less than six inches short. I mean, that's the best I've ever seen that whole play. And to your point on the experience, I mean, that's one where I have seen my own game and we've seen everybody else's game in the league has now learned to do whatever we can to stay out of that left-hand position because it used to be that's where everybody ended up. I mean, that's where the water puts you out. Not that anybody plays the water, but a lot of people going aggressive at the cup, you would go down there. And I think the other place where we're really seeing the scores come down, and I'd be interested if I go back and kind of look at the the averages, but hole seven, the Matterhorn, Mm. people really have got that deuce line figured out, that layup. And play that big sweeping curve. And you know, I know Dave got the deuce in the final round to to catch up wow. a stroke after dropping one on hole six there to to Justin. So it's been really interesting to see, you know, the same quality of players, how their game has progressed on that course. And I was actually a little surprised that we didn't see like a 35, because I think that is definitely mm. coming at some point during one of these tournaments. Yeah, it's a fun course, and I would definitely love to play on it again just if for nothing else to get a little revenge on a few of those holes. But I think I would go into it just with the mentality, too. It's like you don't get scared of any holes, but you just have, like, a healthy amount of, I don't know what, it's not fear, but that you just, you respect the holes and what they can do and know that there's a few of them where there's a little out of your hand and you just have to deal with it. Like the Alpenhorn some people can get lucky on the falls. Obviously, Justin's an amazing putter, but he'd be the first to admit those two aces have a lot more to do with luck. Now, the fact that he put that third putt there really close to the cup, that is skill, and that's what he did well, but you have to have that skill to put yourself in a position that many times to get an ace, and so it's it's a tricky one to win on, but it's also one that I think, for me, I like, the visual variety of the course. I like the variety of the types of shots you have to take. And I like the interesting approaches on the risk reward. I saw some people taking some wild attempts on 18 and you know, that is just a beast of a hole. It's so long. The line for an ace is so narrow and it's one of those ones where even all the practice in the world, you really just have to hit it perfectly to get it through. And that's hard to do, you know, you know, as much as you want it repeated time after time. Highlighter's one of the locals who's played really well. And I watched him go OB on 18 on his first shot, really going for it. And that's going to happen. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a tricky and awesome course and a really well run tournament. So I recommend it to, everybody who gets a chance to play it and so we go back to this past weekend where we go to branson missouri with the branson open it was an eight round tournament at the native hut mini golf course put on by the show me putters and if you don't know why they're called the show me putters missouri is the show me state some people also call it call it missouri uh i don't know where the lines on that but what ended up happening is is jody kimball ama member from Oklahoma came out through eight rounds with a 279 tied with 
Jason Van Buskirk, and they played an 18-hole playoff where Jody won 30-39, to and the best round of the day was a 29 over there. So kudos to him. Um, I'm looking at the results, and I realized when I shoveled things around that I don't have the AMA numbers right next to them. But Jody in first place is an AMA member, as well as Eric Feig, who is the organizer who I know wasn't feeling well, and I can empathize with. We had a nice field of 16 competitors that started that tournament, and yeah, eight rounds, that's a real slog, and we have all the results over on the AMA website. If you go to the event section, you can find all the historical events there, and it has all of the round-by-round scores. They're up to date for all of the tournaments right now. Okay, and then we go to yesterday's event, the fourth miniest mini golf open at Lilliput in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. Of course, I know quite well. Uh, we played two rounds after a seven-day qualifying period. For those of you that don't know our tournament, we have a qualifying period in place since the beginning really to help give an opportunity for the public at large to compete one or two rounds during the week to be in either the top 25 pros or the top six amateurs. We did the amateurs for the first time to play in the championship on the Sunday. They pay a fee to get two two attempts and two rounds. And if they make the championship, they don't have to pay any more. They show up on that Sunday. Qualifying has been a thing that I know people are like, that's a weird thing to do. And a big part of it was four years ago, there was literally no competitive mini golf in Minnesota. We didn't have any leagues like we have now. And we didn't really have a culture for it. I'm happy to say we really have that now. And I think probably going forward, we'll try to look at figuring out what the course, how do we get the course for a good period of time free from the public so we can just have a tournament where we can invite a good amount of pros and amateurs because we had a very strange thing happen. We have never, we've only run one turn with amateurs and I was like, well, we'll get the top six. They don't have to be below par because with pros, they have to be below par to make the cut. Not only did we have six people make the cut in the first weekend, but the cut line was wildly low. We had the cut line at about 58, I believe, which in most years is a pretty middle of the road pro round. And so I didn't want to change anything midstream. So we had like a really good amateur crowd. I think next year we'll mix that up. And then we had about 23 pros uh, make the cut out of the 25. So it was literally anybody who went under par and attempted to play made it. So we'll fix that. But uh, the winner, another person that I shared <laughs> playing around with, I seem to be a good luck charm or something. But Matt Rolstad won by one stroke over Sean Brown in the last round. He shot a 52 in the first round, along with six other people, including Aaron Kaminsky, former champ, Eric Asilia, Sean Brown, and uh, Mike Pendleton. And then he shot uh, the best round of the day, a 50 to finish off, where Sean shot a 51, and that was that. The, the real story of the day was the pictures that I sent Pat was, we had a little bit of rain <laughs> overnight, to say the least, and I've never seen Lilliput that flooded. And we had to come up with some really special rules on holes where it wasn't draining. And I, I'm really pleased with how all of our locals went with the flow, how the course really managed cleaning things up. And we got there. Like the course was definitely soggy, but we made it there. And yeah, we had Matt winning it fourth winner in four years in the miniest mini golf open by one stroke over Sean Brown. And then only, Three strokes off the lead, we had Mick Cullen and Tom Schweiss from Illinois and Eric Asilius, a former winner of the Miniest Open, played a tiebreaker where we had a two-hole playoff where it was kind of funny. They start on hole number one and there's this wedge you have to hit on this dogleg right. And between the amateurs and pros, like three of the five people uncharacteristically miss the wedge. It happens regularly. <laughs> But I think it was the pressure or something. And so through two holes, Tom Schweiss came out with third. And then Eric Hasilius and Mick Cullen went on to hole number three. 
where that hole did all sorts of wild things to some of the players, including Sean Brown, who lost by one, who had a really bad result in their second round that cost him probably the tournament. But Eric Casillas came out with that after Mick kind of had a rough go of it on that hole. So that's our top five. What was really impressive was only four strokes off the lead was local Mike Pendleton, and Aaron Kaminsky is right behind him in seventh. So we have, you know, the top seven that are only all five strokes out of first place, which we've never had. Last year, Mick beat me by two, and I think it was up by three on the other people. So first to third last year was five strokes. This year, it's first to seventh. Yeah, I mean, well, I think you're seeing the same thing we talked about on Matterhorn, right? You, you've played for four yep. years. You have this group of people who now understand how to manage that course a little bit, and you're starting to see score compression, and you're never going to get, you know, this isn't a aloha, right? Like, nobody's going to go out there and shoot six strokes better than somebody in a round consistently like that where we see all those aces. So it's it'll be interesting to see how that continues to play out, you, you know, you would even think there's probably some folks below that who are going to start to compress in yeah. there as well. I, I will say that the water in a couple of the holes, we had to make some rulings on some standing water where you really, you couldn't take some of the ace lines. It did lower, or the scores ended up being probably higher than I would have expected. We had no scores in the 40s. With 50 being the best round last year, I think we had four rounds. Uh, Matt had told me, and he's he was so frustrated on a putt that he had missed where he didn't get in the 40s because it's really hard to get on that course, but something I felt fortunate to do and still come in second place last year and have done on my own on the course. But I think just the conditions of it made it really, really difficult because, yeah, Matt's score this year would have been third place last year. But I don't think it had anything to do with how he played it. I just think everybody was playing a slightly new course. Nobody's ever played it that waterlogged, including myself, which I won't even mention my scores, but I did <laughs> not play to, to my best. But considering everything going on, and I honestly, for the first time, had thought about like just pulling out with everything going on and how crappy I was feeling. But I'm glad I played. I enjoyed playing with the folks that I played with and made some silly shots that Mick documented on his uh, Facebook. Well, and it's interesting, too, because we've now gone through almost two full seasons at the AMA and have yeah. really not had to deal with anything weather-related for any of our tournaments. Except in Minnesota, our two outdoor <laughs> tournaments, it rained very heavy the day before, and we had standing water on both of them. It was uncanny. Um, but before I forget, uh, the one thing I wanted to make sure to mention was that Owen Pendleton was our first winner of the amateur division, and his last round was mismarked, and we kind of had to do some in the background, but it didn't matter. He had marked his score higher. Oh, he had actually <laughs> shot a 53, which is one of the top four scores, and he won the amateur, and then... Mark Giannini uh, bested my wife, uh, Robin Schwartzman, the pink putter, in a two-hole playoff. So Robin, once again, takes home another third place. And Mark Giannini, who's one of our locals who just started playing in the last year in our local leagues, he took second, and I was happy to report, and I was telling you this, all six of our amateurs that played, they're AMA members, on top of that, we had Joey DePrima and Aaron Kaminsky from O Street. We had the Schweisses and the Collins from Chicago. And then Mike Hackbarth uh, was in the top 10 two years ago. He came in third place. He's from around Iowa City, and there's not a lot of Iowa competitive mini golf. So I was glad to have him come up. And after the tournament, he's texting me pictures from his loon's nest. And he's like, huh. He's like, it's a pretty tricky course. And it's just... For Come on me, up in May. <laughs> it, for me, it's really exciting. I, I did not do well in any of the tournaments we ran this year compared to last year, but I have to say I really appreciate the fact that people are traveling, that they're getting to know our locals, and everybody's really enjoying that. I think that's the that's the thing that's been really nice. I think 
having had qualifying periods at different tournaments has created probably more work for myself than I should. And frankly, for the players and I, I really want to respond and make sure it's as easy as possible for to get people engaged. So yeah, uh, fourth, uh, miniest mini golf open is in the books. The jacket will get updated. You'll see some photos of Matt Rolstad with the jacket where every year we had a custom patch with the year and the name of the person that won it. And so we have our fourth different name in four years on that. And, you know, three of them are local. And it was fun to see a, a local come out and take it after Mick came in and just kind of surprised everybody last year learning the course just immediately because... I was under the weather and I needed something to really focus on that wasn't my headache. I updated the rankings and we can take a little bit of a glance at it. And despite Matt's amazing play, Aaron Kaminsky threw almost all of our in real life tournaments. We have two tournaments left in Branson and then in Newark, Ohio at the putters tournament. We have Aaron Kaminsky with 78 points and I believe he has a total of like four podiums in no five podiums, five podiums. in his. I mean, for bonus points, I for, should say. For, yeah, five, five where he has scored bonus points in the whatever tier he's been playing. And and out of six tournaments, and then we have Matt Rolstad who has played in five tournaments and really just had an amazing year, winning this, but also. Tying for fourth at the Red Putter his first time around there. Winning the coziest mini golf open, which included Mick coming up and playing in it. We have, uh, yeah, Mick right behind him at 74, that third place finish. Uh, if he would have gotten that, that would have been like a huge boost and would have put him actually pretty close to Aaron. So those those playoffs really did matter. And once again, the miniest open is kind of where the season gets is getting decided since it's really late in it and has a large group of our players. Griffin Weiss, who's just had an incredible season, he finishes uh, tied for fourth with Kyle Corsi, who has been in podiums in multiple tournaments himself. Both of those guys got a ton of bonus points. Justin Seymour doesn't play in Dolphin. And he still gets a 68. He didn't even play in a red tournament, which is funny because had he played fairly pedestrian in one, he probably would be our number one player. For if the he season. played Dolphin, all yeah. he had to do was show up in Dolphin. He probably would have gained enough points to, to get up there. And then even crazier, we have like Gary Hester, who's played two tournaments <laughs> and is in seventh. We have me being in eighth and having played in the most in real life tournaments. And... You know, I look below me and it's like, I know where I actually sit. Like, there are people below me where Highlighter plays a different tournament in red and he's up there. Same with Matt Lyles. Both of those guys are at like 12 and 13. Um, tied for ninth, we have Landon Weiss and Sean Brown, who had great seasons. Sean didn't play a white tournament either. So, you know, it, you really need to probably play all three tiers to even kind of sniff that top five because if you look at them the only one that didn't make it was really justin seymour because i believe yeah kyle played one in all of them griffin played one in all three tiers mick did matt did and aaron did and so um it's fun seeing people just coming out if i'm looking down the list of members that have uh played one tournament and scored at least a point we have somewhere in the ballpark of over well over a hundred. But I think when we add up all of our in real life tournaments and we count up how many unique players are, it's probably somewhere around 500 people that have played an AMA scoring tournaments just because geographically they're in so many different places that all the people that played in Branson didn't play anywhere, anywhere else. And I would expect, the same to be the case with uh, the putters tournament. Yeah, and it's a good geographical distribution. You know, at the top of it, I think you got like six states in the top ten, and I think it is really playing out the way we expected it in terms of the way we did the tiering and shuffling up how we allocated points versus the averaging and stuff that we did last year. I mean, you 
went through everybody and kind of gave the credentials and all of that makes sense. You've got these winners mm-hmm. and podium people and playing multiple tournaments. And that's what we're, we're trying to reward. We're, we're getting some level of, you know, not only geographical di- distribution, but I mean, age distribution, right? I mean, I won't call out Gary, but he's, you know, on the senior side of things and, and doing well there. Obviously, he's got a history, but then you got Griffin, who's 13, yep. and is sitting tied for fourth as well. And we've got everything in between. I mean, about the only thing that we really don't have in the top 15 to 20 is, you know, female representation. I think we got to get down to what, 23rd. Um, where we've got Glenda from Connecticut who's been playing a bunch of tournaments as well. Yeah. And, you know, some folks after that as well. But, um, you know, to your point in terms of volume of people, where they're coming from, the engagement with multiple tournaments, you know, we're, we're definitely where we thought we should be trending to at the beginning of the year. And now it's going to be as we wrap up this season and turn our eye towards 2024 to figure out, yeah, how do we keep that momentum going? And how do we get in some other places and have it be sustainable for us? And, you know, if people are interested in helping get more tournaments going in a particular area, we can use the help. Obviously, Pat has the Connecticut Northeast area covered along with uh, Aaron from O Street. And there's some other people looking to do tournaments up there and happy to add more. But ideally, we would get a handful more down in Texas, a few more down in the south, get down to Florida. And the sort of the big, the big nut to crack is just how do you get out west? There's just nothing really that far west of the Mississippi once you get past, you know, some of the stuff in the middle. It's just not a lot going on other than some national putting tour stuff and pop stroke, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, I think those are all of the things that, you know, we're hoping to do down the road and we encourage people to reach out to the AMA and let us know about the tournaments you're doing. And if you need advice on running a tournament, you've never done one, happy to give it. We'll probably do another podcast on that. Quick update, because I mentioned we only had two tournaments left. I should mention that the Salty Seagull has canceled their October tournament. They're looking to reschedule it to June right now, just because I think they didn't have a lot of signups and they just expect a lot more traffic during the regular tourist season in the summer, which is understandable. It's unfortunate, but the good thing is, is that we do have two more virtual tournaments to wrap up this season. I don't even know if I talked about them. I think Pat and I talked about them. <laughs> we talk, I don't we think we've talked about them on the episode, on the, I, the podcast yet. No, we definitely, yeah, I don't think we have. But so what we're going to do for pot 18 is we're going to have another session. If you've already got five in it, you can't get five more. You can get max out on five in either of the two and get a max of 10 virtual bonus points uh, on top of your in real life uh, scoring points in the blue, white, and red. Putt 18 will be run from Sunday, November 5th through Saturday, November 11th. Around that same time, we're going to have a second walkabout mini golf event. And again, we're going to be utilizing the results from the weekly leagues where they play a hard course and an easy course across six different tee times. And it depends on where your time zone they are, but they're every four hours are the tee times. And you have to sign up and do it via Discord. But we're going to be utilizing those results. And the cool thing is, is the person who's really done this fantastic page for the Walkabout League, Jorge Rimblas, is not only from Minnesota, but he's an AMA member and it's got great stats on it. You have to opt in to the Walkabout Mini Golf group. Uh, even if you want to do that right now, go for it. We will not use your scores and results from those weekly tournaments unless we hear from you. But what it'll be is whenever they announce the first week of what will end up being, I believe, the 11th season of that weekly league. We're going to utilize the results from that because it will be all of the courses will be in play that are in walkabout. So you just need an Oculus headset. It's not terribly expensive. It's incredibly addictive, but it's not terribly expensive. And same with uh, the Putt 18 mat. 
both of them, I think the reason that we felt pretty comfortable keeping them in, I think there's some purists that would be like, well, you're playing a video game or, you know, you're just like putting on whatever your surface on your floor is underneath your mat is essentially your surface. But for all of them, it really does give an opportunity for people to participate without having to travel from the comfort of their home. And in some cases will even allow us to have some international competition, which we really want. We want mini golf to be for everybody and we want it to be as inclusive as possible. We're not overly swaying it so that if you win both of those events, you're going to win the season. It's not going to be it. But if you're good at that as well as playing the tournaments, that can help. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an all encompassing, you know, tour we have here and, you know, I know obviously we've got walkabout as a sponsor, which we talk about on the episodes all the time, but I mean, that fusion of in real life and virtual mm-hmm. is what we're going for. They're a sponsor of the WMF, you yep. know, so it, it seems natural to, to pull that in there. And, you know, you even mentioned mini golf for everybody. I mean, th- those are also two you can play with various different disabilities as yeah. well. Like you don't even have to be standing to play either of no. them as well. So it gives, gives us a chance to open up that community. And like you said, it's, it's not going to drive, you know, nobody who just goes out and wins those two is going to be in the, the top 10. There isn't in real life no. aspect, but it's, it's great to have that connection and honestly be the only organization that does right now. Yeah. And kind of along lines of that, really want to thank in the AMA season, Pingvin, Mini Golf, and One Shot Golf. They gave us some goodies that we handed out at both Matterhorn and Lilliput. I got some photos back from our, uh, uh, our amateur winner, Owen Pendleton, from his dad, Mike Pendleton of him playing with his mini golf ball from Pingvin already. And I was really excited. And I was also like, you probably need a rubber head on your putter. Yeah. We gave out, actually I got to post our one shot video or not videos, pictures and stuff from the Matterhorn, but we gave out a couple balls. So just some folks who made a great shot. And and one of them was um, one of the kids who was actually taking the place of his brother's registration in the amateur or no, in the pro division. Um, And he made an unbelievable two on 18 from real far away we gave you know i gave him one of the balls and he was just like he came back to me afterwards and was asking all these questions about it and everything (laughs) so it's just like i mean that stuff i mean obviously thank you pingvin but like being able to grow that part of the game and the understanding you know tom and i we've talked about we're connected with various different groups in the wmf and and trying to bridge that like allowing us to do these on these local events is just such a a huge thing we wouldn't have an opportunity to do otherwise really yeah and with one shot i forgot to mention that they had sponsored our hole-in-one champion at o street at matterhorn and our tournament and our tournament we had eight or nine different people get a single hole-in-one and our playoff on hole number four was pretty anticlimactic because sean brown won it right away he made it and everybody else missed um and he got some one-shot golf swag that we'll be sharing that and a whole lot of other photos and a recap at some point when I'm feeling slightly better. But yeah, it's been fun giving those away and people playing that game, and we really appreciate one-shot for that. I think we had thought about them for a virtual tournament, and those of you that have played the game know that it kind of changed dramatically since the spring, and that was one that I think we might try to do some fun event with, but I think for the virtual points, we want to keep it to things that have like a physical component that look a lot more like mini golf but yeah and let's let's wrap up with some uh other events and uh, i'm gonna throw it over to you pat while i get some water because i'm ready to die <laughs> definitely so we talked a bit about matterhorn being on the the wmf world adventure golf tour there's um, 12 total tournaments there september actually has a, a large volume i think it's almost every weekend had uh, some event going on so in the First weekend, September 2nd and 3rd, we had the Swedish Adventure Golf Masters there. Gunnar Bengsten won and punched his ticket to the final. On September 10th, we had the Slovakian Adventure Golf Masters. And I am, again, going to Major League apologize for how I'm going to slaughter this person's name. But I believe it's Marek Smekal. It's my best guess. Maybe Marek. Marek I, could be Marek. I, I know that's a pretty common first name in Poland as well, but Slo- apologies, a different country. Yeah, so yeah, and so 
congratulations on winning, punching your ticket. And then just this past weekend, we had the German Adventure Golf Masters, which was played on a course that looks super, super fun, really super sports cool. related. They had, a, I mean, we talk about ski slope holes. They had like a slalom looking hole that looks really cool. But made by had, City Golf. Made by City Golf. And uh, as a lot of the courses on the World Adventure Golf Tour are, and Martin Lindell won that one. And so now we have... A good variety of people who've got their t- uh, their tickets punched, and I think there's only five tournaments left. Um, I think Australia is the only one who doesn't have the yep. details announced yet. Um, but I think the key thing here is, you know, we talked about Dave winning Matterhorn, but there is still a chance for like Justin in second place with the points yep. that he got to be able to qualify for the final as well. So we're now starting to be in that time of the year where people can start scoreboard watching and you know, maybe we'll have a couple folks from the U S who have an opportunity to go on, but um, a couple more events here, you know, we'll, we'll obviously have the link as we normally do in the show notes, but I think this was a really positive, good first year for the tour. I know in talking with the organizers there, they're pretty happy with what they're doing. I know the, the next one I think is the Czech adventure golf that they're going to try to do yep. some more live streaming and live scoring there as well. So um, very positive things. I had some conversations about, you know, potentially looking at some live streaming of the finals as well with the nice. WMF. So some some cool things there. And you know, con- congrats to the winners and keep an eye on that as that progresses. Well, I thought it was wild when I saw the results from the German Adventure Golf Masters that the winner was um, Martin Lundell, who's from Sweden. Yeah, he was the one Swede. He uh, he played in a number of the City Golf Tour events, and he's you know, seasoned pro from there and uh, traveled well, I guess. So kudos to him and feel like that is a perfect transition into the city golf finals that we had sort of teed up, talked about all the wild card spots. We talked about how there were about 30 or 48, I believe spots for people that had played at least three tour events for the city golf tour all around Sweden. And there was one in Finland and then there was some wild card spots that people like Mike Johnson and Tim Talley from the States and Sevi Kukielka and Daniel Valchek and a number of others, Patrick Reiner, all did, uh, they all got on the wild card and they played a two-day event in Aquim on the City Golf course there. And the live stream of it was fantastic. What they did was that everybody played five rounds and then they cut down to 30 and then what they did was is then they took those 30 people and they broke them up into heats of six heats of five people and then the top two players in each heat in each group essentially they would come out as well as the two other people that in their group or overall in all the heats had the next best score with any ties, the differential being, I believe, the difference. And we had some really interesting results where Daniel Valchek came out of the five rounds as the top player by three. He's from the Czech Republic. And, you know, if you take a look at the top of the list, the Swedish putting uh, team that's playing over the pop stroke events all those names are going to be really familiar. I think they had almost all of their people in the top seven. And I believe uh, Alexander Molina was the only one that didn't make the top 30. But some big surprises, or not even a surprise, but that uh, Tim Talley not only made that cut of 30, but he barely missed the final. He was tied with... Patrick Reiner in the, his in the last heat and that the differential I believe for Patrick or there was something that was the difference that pulled him forward oh what it was was how you did in the first five rounds that would pull you forward and Tim sort of knew that but what an impressive showing that he gets that far down with that crew of putters. I mean, you are looking at the final being Ricard Lochner, Hans Olofsson, Gunnar Bengtsson, Patrick Reiner, who won Wagham, Matthias Hogloff, and then Eric 
Hjalmarsson, who I've seen his name around Sweden as well. So you have all of these like amazing putters and Tim Talley, he's an amazing putter as well, but it was a, a really amazing thing to see him doing that well and progressing. And so kudos to him and just the feed was just incredible to watch. And that final round was just completely asinine. So I believe the course record was hit twice. Uh, Hans Olofsson had in his heat, and I believe that was in the semifinals in his heat. He had the worst score with a 31. He had a really rough round. I mean, most of us would be happy with 31. <laughs> so, so Hans steps up and is like, yeah, I should probably make the finals. And he shoots the course, ties a course record of 21. Shoots Jeez. a freaking 21. It Just watching it, it was just like, oh, my God. And then if that wasn't enough, then you get to, like, the final heat. Ricard Lochner, I believe, and I'm going to pull up the Bond Golf stats just to confirm because it was so silly. He aced the first nine. He was minus nine through the front nine. And then ended up with a 22, beating Hans by one stroke, who had a 23 in that last round because they were tied at 26. They didn't have the best round Gunner did with a a 25, but then he goes into that last group and he's like, well, I got a one-stroke lead on everybody. And he ends up losing by four because those guys just shot out of their mind. You're like, oh, man, Gunner had like a bad round quote-unquote with a 27 which he didn't it's a great round when people are shooting 22s and 23s <laughs> what do you do these the swedes are just incredible but the standard in that tournament is just it's really impressive and the city golf tournament i think we'll do a lot more chatting about all of the various tournaments and everything around but the city golf uh tour the guys from 54 problems had hyped it up and it was and it was legit. It's probably the probably the most competitive international tour there is right now. I think Pop Stroke is pretty close to it, also because it's drawing some of those same Swedes. But the right. standard is just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I think you put head to head the quality of mini golf player, and that city golf tour is by far the most competitive and it's got the most skill level and the most amount of people who could pop a 22 at any given time on one of those courses. So if you want to be handed your lunch in a <laughs> mini golf tournament in probably the best settings in the world, I recommend it. I had a blast and would play again and won't have a problem if I end up near the bottom because <laughs> they're just amazing hosts and they do such a great job. Eddie Soderlund and the whole crew, which includes, I guess, other members of his family, um, uh, Ronya, who did the play-by-play, -play, like, they just, you could tell they were tracking and knew how these courses played, did amazing play-by-play, -play, and even with it being in Swedish, I could totally follow what was going on. It was really exciting. I mean, I've been getting smoked by Hans for 20 years now, starting in my <laughs> own backyard, so, I mean, why stop now? <laughs> And and we might as well finish up with literally a tournament that finished earlier today as we're recording this, which was the Pop Stroke Tour event in Glendale, Arizona. It's the last major tour event before the championship later in November, also in Arizona, I believe at the newer Scottsdale course. And kind of in a surprise, we didn't have a Swede in the top five. No, I was really uh, shocked. I, I was very shocked. Adam Shanks, who I've seen his name near the top of the list for these pop stroke tournaments, he came away with a minus 23, 121 over four rounds. There was a tie for second between Tito Silverman. They he they were had 123s, two behind the leader, along with Jacob Stass. They both had uh, 123s and then tied for fifth. Rainy Statham, who we've seen on many podiums, and Brock Gillespie, uh, the organizer of the National Putting Tour, he had a former great minus 17. Yeah, former guest on the pod as well. We don't see our first Swede on the list until uh, minus 16. 
they were seven strokes off the lead. Alexander Molina uh, tied for six with Lee Messinger. As we go down the list, Sean Tate, Jeff Gibraltar, Kevin Sundstrom, Hans Olofsson, Gunnar Bengtsson, Nate Nichols, Chris Johnson, Matthias Hogloff, Rickard Lochner, Greg Sandlin, Mike Gonzalez. A lot of these names, if you follow National Putting Tour and Pop Stroke events, they're pretty familiar. They had a total of 50, or sorry, they had a total of 41 people finished the event. Yeah, a really high standard in that that will be setting up for big championship in November for Pop Stroke. And I think all the Swedes might be staying they are, I think they're going to do a putting world event, and then there somebody it might have been Gunnar who I was talking to was giving me the rundown. I'm like, awesome, have <laughs> fun. Yeah, I think they're going to hang out there because those putting world events have like thirty thousand dollar purse yeah. too. So those guys will be looking to uh, to walk home with some money. But uh, we did not see many of them placing in those top top spots. So it'll be a Interesting to see if the field is starting to catch up to some of the Swedes a little bit, but we'll have lots of time to talk about the big pop stroke uh, championship. We'll be doing that later, but we have uh, for both of us, probably our last in-person event we'll be playing in. Yeah, so um, we'll be traveling down the end of this week that we're recording it, and next week we have the USPMJ Masters. So like Tom said, we're we're both going. Um, it's October. The actual tournament itself is October 5th through the 7th. We've talked about it many times on the pod before, but it's 12 rounds over those three days on three different courses. We've got a couple pods last year that are pre and post the Masters, um, which are some interesting listening to. But, you know, our first time back in Myrtle Beach in a year, we'll see how that goes. I mean, I'm going into it just happy to have one more tournament to play in. Obviously, we've talked about it. I do a lot of the family stuff down there. I'm glad you're coming, Tom. Me too. It's always fun to hang out, which also means we'll hit up some, you know, definitely some live stuff, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or both, maybe some YouTube, all over the place. We'll do some recaps and some previews and probably grab some people out of the crowd. We should probably talk to Kyle Corsi because I know he's coming down as well, too. We can talk to him about the AMA season he's been having while we're down there. So we've got got a few things that we're going to run up there, but, you know, it's... I don't have a huge expectations going into it. Just going to try to play loose and see where the numbers come out at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to play better than last year, I think is my goal. And the Aloha South course is really sort of my target to dial in a little bit better, do better on some of the holes where I really struggled and just get a little bit better on those ace lines. I think a couple of them, I just didn't give it a chance and I like that, but I'm just looking forward to going and seeing all of the people that I've seen in some various tournaments this year and catching up and just playing those challenging courses. Hopefully uh, learn some from it. feel like the last couple tournaments I haven't done as well, but I want to take some of the confidence from some better results and maybe a better mental approach than some of my last tournaments and do better. But it's always nice to get down to Myrtle Beach and get some mini golf in before it turns cold. So, uh... We'll see you uh, probably on the socials quite a bit sometime uh, starting in the early next week. All right. And once again, we like to, at the end of our episodes, talk about and thank our primary sponsor, Walkabout, which we've already mentioned a few times on this episode here being our favorite virtual reality mini golf game. Um, They just celebrated their third birthday recently. I saw that all over their socials. They tagged some stuff here, and they had a new course that was just launched on September 7th, which was Alfheim, which is very Lord of the Rings-ish, Nordic lore-ish. They were posting some stuff about tying in some of their influences from Neil Gaiman's North Mythology book, Ooh. which I've read and is very good. I'd definitely say it's a it's well worth the read, especially, if, I guess, if you're a Walkabout fan. But um, they just keep coming up with <laughs> great new stuff. We can't talk about them enough. As Tom said, it's... You know, an Oculus, especially if you're into gaming at all, compared to what you shell out for an Xbox or PS or even some of the Nintendo systems, is very reasonably priced. And if 
you were to buy this game with all the downloads, I still think you're running comparable to the the sixty seventy dollar mm-hmm. games you play on Xbox, and you know the way they kind of spread it out and hit you up for a couple bucks every few weeks. Yeah, not unlike what we're used to in other sorts of gaming. It's it's incredibly fun for the family mm-hmm. and. Like Tom and I say, we got winter coming, and there's no better way than passing cold nights in either Minnesota or Connecticut by going to a faraway place and doing some relatively realistic putting. Yeah, and if you've looked out there, there are some attachments to the controllers, like the new Hello Real one that they've added that I've got to play with that help it really give a real-to-life putter feel like the hello real putter it's got like a different weight it's actually screwed up my walkabout game a little (laughs) bit because i have to think about it almost even more like playing regular mini golf which is a good thing check that out obviously we have both virtual events left this year on walkabout and putt 18 that you'd benefit from getting them in the next month because those events will be coming up soon you want to get practiced but uh i need to really wind this up, get to Big Thoughts Mini Golf because I am running on fumes. And as I start to look back at really by far the most active year of competitive mini golf, I'm really most grateful for the opportunity to compete in different places with all sorts of different faces. Seeing new courses to me through the eyes of people who call those courses home is really a treat. If you're lucky, you'll get to hear about the history of the course and the different experience people have had playing in those spaces, both good and bad. I heard all of them at Matterhorn, and there are some doozies, and you're like, oh, thank God that didn't happen to me. But yeah, sure, you want to practice, focus, and learn all the breaks on these new courses, but don't miss the opportunity to take in the stories and the histories of these little fun places that we compete on. With that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, put one ready. <laughs>